St. Louis and surrounding areas. You are listening to another edition of At Your Service, heard right here on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Man, we went to the vault on that song. Uh, way back, Nine Lives of Ario Speedwagon in 1979. Man, oh man. I, I tell you, we have the best producers around here at KMOX. Thank you, everybody. Hey, uh, welcome. Yeah, it's me again, Dave Simons, the certified financial planner, all-round nice guy. I head up the Simons and Cordes Wealth Management uh, team, located within the friendly confines of UBS Financial Services. That's the day job. That's the, the, the job that puts the food on the table, pays the electric bills, allows me to somehow keep up with the inflation that's hitting the grocery stores. Yes, but occasionally. I don't know how this works. I don't know, uh, am I pulling the wool over someone's eyes here at KMOX, but they continue to invite me back, and I gladly accept. So sitting in in the uh, chair tonight, guest hosting at your service, and happy to do it. Okay, so this is the existential question of our time. Will she or won't she? All right, I'm overstating it may not be that important to a lot of people. I I think the Blues, whether or not they make the playoffs or not, in some cases might be more important. But will she or won't she? All right, in all seriousness, who is she? Who am I referring to? That would be former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Of course, you know who she is and what she's up to. And will she or won't she? That The question refers to next Tuesday, knowing that she will um, unlikely win any of, I think it's 16 states, maybe 18 states, but quite a few states participating in Super Tuesday next Tuesday. And that's the big question. Uh, a lot of political pundits out there firmly believe that she will step down after that, that she is somehow clinging to hope that she could surprise some people in a few of those states, pick up more delegates than people think, and get that momentum going as we get into the spring and summer. But if you're if you're not really biased in this kind of thing and uh, you, you try to not take sides in this and you look at it rationally, I, there just doesn't seem to be any clear path for her to all of a sudden overtake Donald Trump and win the GOP nomination. So why would she be hanging in there? There's the question, right? A, a couple of things. She's If you see enough of her interviews, she sort of references some of these things. Number one, I think a lot of people would agree, hey, I just want to be around in case that guy, Donald J. Trump, actually gets charged with something, or convicted, I should say, and not only is fine, but gets a prison sentence. Now, I would counter that. Does that even keep him from winning the GOP nomination? I mean, he has actually seen his numbers strengthen the more that uh, the law continues to come after him and the fines, you know, reach into the hundreds of millions of dollars. It hasn't hurt him at all. Do you think his base will all of a sudden turn away from him if he gets like some six month or two year prison sentence? I, I don't know. It's all speculation, of course. Nobody knows. I think it's somewhat foolish to even try to handicap this thing when we don't know. But we're trying to answer the question, why is Nikki Haley still hanging around? And I think it's legitimate to say, well, that might be one of the reasons. If all of a sudden he is disqualified for some constitutional reason, she wants to be the last person standing. I think another legitimate reason for her to be around, this is a preview, it's a setup for 2028. 
in the back of her mind, she probably knows, yeah, I'm not going to do it. But if I if I really acquit myself well here and I get a lot of people to notice me. And by the way, she's a her campaign has really been terrific in fundraising. Uh, yeah, you have some high profile um, uh, deep pocketed people who have been in her camp, like the Coke organization has backed out. But, you know, she still has millions of new dollars coming into the coffers. It's really unprecedented in this regard, in that a candidate seemingly with no chance continues to fundraise. You know, that's really one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, DeSantis had to drop out a little earlier than people expected. Yeah, number one, he wasn't getting the votes, but normally you might see somebody like that who was considered a real political threat to Trump to stay in a little bit longer, but his fundraising dried up. A lot of his big donors backed out and said, yeah, we can tell right away early in this game it's not going to happen. So sorry, Ron, we are backing out. That's not been the case with the Nikki Haley campaign. And she continues to fundraise and get money. And, And I think that she just really wants to put on a pretty good show here and say, look, I don't know who's going to win, Joe Biden or Donald Trump. But remember me in 28, because I have a feeling this thing could really go off the rails with either man. So a couple of different reasons, but uh, we'll all be smarter next Wednesday, right? She very well could say, hey, I've had enough of this. It's not going to happen. I'm going to bail out. Uh, I will continue to do my thing. Now, will she actually then throw her support behind Donald Trump as the other GOP candidates did, or will she stay neutral? I don't know. Good question. We shall see. You know, I started saying on this show last fall, without getting into my personal opinions on things, saying I support this person, I don't support this person. I just try to uh, observe the facts as they come to me, look at polling data. You get a lot of anecdotal evidence through all this. And I said last fall that a year from now, which of course would be November of 24, as I was saying this last fall, uh, it looks to me that Trump is going to win the presidency. Now, I know that a lot of people absolutely are rolling on the ground in pain thinking of that. Again, this is not my personal like one way or the other. I don't get into that. I'm just telling you that's what I have thought all along. And I always have pointed back to something that I do know well, and that's economic issues. That's what I do for a living. I made the point before. That if you go all the way back a little bit more than 30 years ago, George H.W. Bush at that time had the highest approval ratings in presidential history in early 1991, the first desert storm, Uh, a presidential approval rating of 89 percent. Unprecedented. Can you imagine in today's world having a president with an 89 percent approval rating? It is mind boggling. But that's what we had in January of 91. Americans were coming together for that war. Remember Whitney Houston, that emotional, awe inspiring, tear jerking rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. At the Super Bowl in early 91, people still remember that. You still see videos of that from time to time. That's where we were in this country. And George Bush, the first Bush, had an approval rating of 89%. So how in the world could you go from that? Less than two years later, America saying, we've had enough of you, leave. 
And we're going to go with this upstart governor from Arkansas by the name of William Jefferson Clinton. How does that happen? The economy. Pure and simple. No other reason. We dipped into a recession. The reason I bring that up is because it is true time and time and time again. In most cases, the economy, if it's not the number one factor, it's number two. And it is this time. The economy and immigration in polling goes back and forth. The top two most important issues to Americans. We know immigration is a complete disaster. It is a mess right now. And the economy, on the one hand, the data looks pretty good, but you go and interview a lot of Americans and they don't feel it. And it's because of inflation. Right now, Americans on average are spending 11.3% of their disposable income on food. That's the highest percentage since the aforementioned 1991 that got the incumbent his walking papers. So I think that's what you've got against uh, uh, Joe Biden and his people hoping that he can win. And that's why I've been saying since last year, I think Donald Trump, with all the baggage that he brings and all the chaos and all the concerns that a lot of people have, would likely win. Well, folks, I've kind of started to change my tune a little bit because of a very recent development. And I want to explore this again. I. In this day and age, you almost have to, to to couch it and give the disclaimer. Look, I'm not saying this is what I want. All right. So you can keep with the heat, the hate emails. I'm just giving you an observation, a uh, dispassionate one from the sidelines of the way that I see things. But I've started to change my mind a little bit, like I said, because of a certain development that has just come up in the last couple of weeks. One of it's self-inflicted by Donald Trump himself. And it's connected to some numbers that I've seen coming out from Nikki Haley. So I want to talk about that. We'll have some other things to talk about politically. Some, a, a lot of, I don't really get into this too much, but we're getting close to this thing. And it's going to be one of these topics that we just cannot ignore. Hopefully I'll bring it in a way that doesn't get people all riled up. It's just, again, more of that dispassionate observations that we all see. And then in the second hour, I will get into my specialty, which I like to do and talk a little bit about investing in the markets and why not market hitting another all-time high today is this a little too much is this 1999 all over again we'll explore that in the second hour stay with us dave simon's filling in tonight at at your service and we shall return trusted information live and local from the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. Welcome back, everybody. It is 8-21 in St. Louis on this February 29th. You know, I, I, I admit, I, I can be an idiot at times. Many of you are going, yeah, tell us something we didn't know. I was passing through the living room this morning on my way into my little office, and um, my wife had the Today Show on in the background. And if you've ever watched the Today Show, they'll typically every morning go outside and they'll interview some of the spectators out there. And people come in from all over the country to hopefully be interviewed and, and whatnot. And this morning, as I was just minding my own business, walking through the living room with, with my cup of coffee, I just happened to look up and 
I don't know who it was. Was it Hoda or somebody um, uh, interviewed a lady? She looked to be about my age, 60-ish or so. And um, she just said, and how old are you today? And the woman said, I'm 15. And I, I thought, what, what? She's just being silly. I mean, it's one thing if you're around 60 and you want to say, well, it's my 39th birthday. You know how people say that. Why would you say you're 15? That's not even, that's, that's silly. It's not even funny. And I just kind of stood there for a second. And then the, um, I guess it was Hoda again. She uh, went to the next person who was uh, a young girl, like a teenager. How old are you? And how old are you today? I'm four today. And then the light bulb went off. Oh, dummy. <laughs> These are the folks who were born on February 29th, and they're celebrating their February 29th birthday. Duh. And then she just went on down. And, and it was it was kind of fun to um, hear all these people who were uh, their February 29th birthday. So anyway, I digress. Obviously happens every four years or so. Um, looking at something here on another piece that was just handed to me. Okay, got it. Um, all right, so you may recall 2016, right? The presidential election campaign pitted Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. And Hillary Clinton looked across at the folks who supported Trump, and she called them deplorables. We all remember that. She would later admit that was a mistake on her part. Now, she didn't come right out and say, yes, I should have never used that term. Her her mea culpa was, I should have defined it a little bit more instead of the blanket statement that everyone who supported Donald Trump was a deplorable. And I didn't mean that, just a, just a, a, a group of them. But the damage was done. We'll never know if that actually cost her the election. But let's put it this way. It didn't help. And in a very tight election, and she won the popular vote. It was only because the Trump campaign was smarter in the states that they spent the most time in. They actually pinpointed what were going to be the states that they really needed. And uh, that's where they really campaigned. And so they won the Electoral College, as you know. And so who knows if, if, if that, that, that really foolish line that she used came back and cost her the election. So fast forward to today. And recently, you may have seen that Donald Trump did something similar, but in my book, even more foolish, because he didn't look across at Joe Biden and his supporters and call them, well, actually, he calls everybody names, right? Unless you bow to him, he's calling you a name. All right. Outside of that, he looked within his own party, and he told a lot of people, you are barred permanently. Now, he didn't mention Nikki Haley by name. But that's who he was referring to. And and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, if you are not on the MAGA train right now, don't even think about coming aboard. And he, then he used the term or, or the phrase, you are barred permanently. I don't know if you've seen this. I have now seen some bumper stickers, people proudly putting that up with the Nikki Haley sticker saying barred permanently. I've act, I just saw a, someone wearing a T-shirt the other day. Um, uh, uh, a woman, now well, fifty-ish or so, probably, proudly wearing a shirt that said "Bard Permanently." You don't go after people within your own party. I don't know if this is going to come back and hurt Donald Trump in November. 
we we won't know that if he ends up losing is that he can't just count on his very rabid base to put him over he needs to have some of those people within the gop that really have a problem with him but they have an even bigger problem with biden so they're stuck right now how many millions of people are we describing when i define it that way people who are looking and i'm talking only on the G- gop side uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put the folks on the democrat side to the side right now but those of you who are republican and you're really struggling you don't know what to do and yet you have donald trump who's the presumptive head of your party and he's telling you if you are not bowing to him right now then we don't want you you're barred permanently so that's one thing one reason i thought well wait a minute i felt pretty confident thinking that trump was going to win next year based on more of economic and immigration issues than anything but that cannot help at all in a race that's probably going to be very very tight and then on top of that and related to that are how some of these primaries have turned out this is really unprecedented in the annals of political campaigns when you have someone that everybody looks at and, and, and says, look, this guy is going to win. He's got the delegates. He, he's probably going to win every state, every primary state. It's I would love to know the history of one guy winning every state. Has it happened? I guess perhaps it has. But it looks like Donald Trump is going to do that. So, I, again, it's it's hard to see any way that Nikki Haley pulls off some kind of an upset unless something happens legal wise at Donald Trump. But but that's all pure speculation. But when I look at how Nikki Haley, who everyone, most people think has no chance and she gets 29 percent in Michigan, almost a third of Republicans. And this is a state where Democrats are not allowed to go over and vote for Republicans like they were in South Carolina. Also, Nikki Haley purposely did not spend any time up in Michigan campaigning. All of her resources and her efforts and her time were spent, obviously, right away in Iowa and then in New Hampshire and spent a ton of time in her home state where she scored the 40 percent. She from what I read, only has one little small office that was manned by just a couple of people up in Michigan. No campaigning. In a party where you already have one candidate who seems to be cruising, and yet that one candidate only gets like six, oh, I say only, but you would think should have gotten 80 or 90%. So I got to be honest, when I look at that, and I think look ahead to the general election, it gets me back to the original question that I asked myself and say, has Donald Trump blown this? If he loses, if he loses and you are not ideological in this and you can look at this somewhat dispassionately and 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 be reasonable and objective about it, you would say, look, Donald Trump probably, no, not probably, should be beating Joe Biden. With all the issues that Joe Biden has and people are mad about immigration, they don't think he's doing anything about it, even Democrats. And they're not real happy paying more than 30 percent extra prices at the grocery store compared to four years ago. And let's uh, we can then add on what everybody talks about, that he's too old and he's going to be 86 in four years. And perhaps you're going to get a President Harris at some point behind uh, within that time frame. 
shouldn't Donald Trump or anybody on the Republican side be able to easily win? Why is it even a question? It's because of his behavior. It's because of who he is. And a lot of folks, even within the Republican Party, say, I don't know what to do. I can't stand the fact of having Joe Biden back in there. I don't want that. But I can't in good conscience vote for that guy and all the chaos he's going to bring. I guess maybe I'll go in and leave that blank and then vote down ballot for everyone else, or I'll do a write-in, or no, I got to vote for somebody, but it's going to be the lesser of two evils. It's more to keep that guy out. Man, isn't it a shame? It's a crying shame that here in the U.S., we've kind of, this is what is happening before us. I know we all lament this a lot. So that's my take. I've gone from believing last fall, yeah, it looks like Trump's going to win to, I think he's really cost himself a lot of votes and he needs some of the more, more uh, the folks who are kind of on the fence of this. But there's a long way to go. A long way to go. Although it's true. Well, we will wake up and it's already November and then we'll see what happens four years from now. When we come back, I'm going to play a video and please listen to the whole thing. It is seven minutes long. And actually, you're gonna, you won't know it's a video, but you're going to hear the audio of the latest and newest member of the U.S. House of Representatives and giving a speech last night that's getting a lot of attention in a good way for both Republicans and Democrats. We'll be right back. Man, does this describe the state of America? Oh, yeah. So last night, the newest member of the U.S. House was sworn in. And you might think, really? Like February 28th, there was an election somewhere? Uh, Yeah, recently in a part of Long Island because of the disgraced George Santos, who was forced out, and they had to fill that seat temporarily. And so they had a runoff election and a Democrat. So you had a Republican George Santos leave, and now it's been filled by a Democrat, a guy by the name of Tom Swayze. Now, Swayze has already been a New York uh, congressman uh, in, in the House, but they, you know how in certain areas they redistrict a lot. So he's he has served a couple of different terms in different ways the district has aligned and so he found himself out of a job but he ran for this once it looked like santos was gone they had a runoff and he wins it now uh, swayze is known as a centrist a centrist democrat in fact he ran on a very stringent and strict immigration platform you don't see a lot of that on the left but he did and so last night he decided that he was going to take his couple of minutes Uh, Because it was a one-man show as he was sworn in in front of other members of the House, and he decided that he needed to kind of have his own State of the Union address. Now, you'll notice when you hear, he will even call out Republicans for not, like, clapping and standing at one of his lines. But by the end of this seven minutes, both sides are now cheering and standing, and this is getting a lot of attention. I know a lot of you will hear this and go, oh, this is just a bunch of feely, feel-good, kumbaya stuff, but really listen to what he's saying, and I think that you can understand the importance and his sincerity. So here it is, last night, after he was sworn in, new Democrat congressman from New York, Tom Swayze. 
Mr. Speaker, on the night of my election victory, I promised the people of Long Island and Queens I would deliver a simple message to this chamber. Wake up. The people are sick and tired of the finger pointing and the petty partisan bickering. They want us to work together. They want you guys to work together too. What are you doing? You're supposed to be clapping for that. I know there are so many good people in this chamber on both sides of the aisle. But people are worried about the cost of living. They're worried about the chaos at the border. They're worried about Israel, Gaza, and Ukraine. They look to Congress, and what do they see? The extremists get all the attention. We're letting ourselves be bullied by our base. We aren't getting anything done. We need less chaos and more common sense. The last few... The last few months, I've talked with Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, and they all ask the same thing. What about me? What are you doing for me? Enough with the theater and the drama. Enough with the hyperbole and the histrionics. Enough with the shutdowns and the putdowns. The people aren't paying us to make things worse. The people pay us to be in the solutions business. Mr. Mr. Speaker, you and I came to Congress together in 2017. I remember when you founded the Honor and Civility Caucus. You said at the time it was to restore collegiality and encourage product productive dialogue. Sign me up. Sign me up right away. Mr. Speaker, I know you believe in collegiality and productive dialogue. We need more of that and less of the hot air fanning the flames of anger that happens much too often in our country these days. But Mr. Speaker, after my recent election, you said something I must gently take exception to. <laughs> you said, Tom Swazi ran like a Republican. Now, I know you meant that as a compliment. <laughs> Let me be clear, Mr. Speaker. I'm a true blue, dyed-in-the-wool Democrat. But more important, like you, Mr. Speaker, and the men and women in this chamber, I am a true blue, dyed-in-the-wool American. Like any patriot of the greatest country on earth, I'm willing to compromise to try and solve problems like the chaos at the border. The bipartisan Senate bill doesn't have everything I wanted. I believe that DREAMers and TPS recipients should be granted a pathway to citizenship. And millions, and millions of others should have a path to legalization. But I will support 
a bipartisan compromise. Because to not do so will keep the border open, will endanger peace in Israel, and will empower Vladimir Putin. I know compromise is hard in this town, Mr. Speaker. But bring a bipartisan compromise to the floor, and I guarantee it will pass. All of the issues we face in this country are complicated, every single one of them. And you can't solve anything in an environment of fear and anger. We can't fix them with a tweet or a press conference or even a speech. I know many of you in this chamber. I know a whole lot of you. You're inspired to do this work because of the command, love thy neighbor. Let's actually do that. Let's do the hard work and get back to the solutions business. Sadly, many of the people in America believe Democrats and Republicans can't work together. They've told me, Tom, wake up. You've got to face the real world. But the real world is not something we must simply face. The real world is something that we as free men and women actively create. We make the real world. I love this country. My father came here from Italy as a young boy, was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross during World War II, and he went to Harvard Law School on the GI Bill. It's hard to imagine today, but he faced rampant discrimination as an Italian immigrant, and no one would hire him even though he went to Harvard. So he started his own law firm, and at 28 years old, he ran for city court judge and became the youngest judge in the history of New York State. What a country. <laughs> My father lived a great American success story like many of the stories in this room. And I'll do everything I can to honor my father's legacy. More important, I'll do everything I can to honor this nation's legacy. We all know what politics has become. Let's think about what it could be. Well, I may be the only one being sworn in today, what if we all see this as a fresh start? What if we all took this chance to break some of our bad habits? What if today we remembered why we ran for office in the first place? Let's get back into the solutions business. God bless the men and women of this chamber. God bless the important work we do. And God bless the United States of America. Thank you. All right, there you go. I mean, so many things we can talk about. Unfortunately, we just don't have time. I, I don't ever talk about my own politics, but I feel the need to just say this. So I have some street cred here. I am not a Democrat, and that's all I will say. So I don't want some of you to think that I'm being coy here and going, yeah, I'm playing this because I'm on his side politically. I am not. But I appreciate this guy and i wish we had more people on my side of the aisle who were like that and i think we do but he made the point that we are giving in to the real extreme part of our base because they're the loudest and they're the ones that are keeping both sides 
from compromising. When Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan can go behind closed doors and yell each other and then come out with smile and compromise, it can be done, but we've lost our way. So I think that was a terrific speech. It keeps me having faith in this country. I still do. I'm an optimist at heart, and we will get through these tough times. I just know we will because of people like Tom Swazi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Dave Simons filling in at your service tonight right here on Camo X and loving every minute of it. All right, as we close out the first hour, I hope uh, many of you, if not most of you, uh, got something out of that speech um, as much as I did. Uh, and it really, I, I don't think it should matter on political lines. Uh, just one more thing that I'll move on. Remember one thing that he said. Um, yes, he is looking at the situation regarding immigration. And one of the more debatable items of that topic are what to do with dreamers. And and he, he said, look, this is what I think. We should give them a path to uh, citizenship. And I know a lot of people say, I, I'm not on board. And that's fine. Everyone has a, has a right to debate either side. But then remember what he said after that. However, and, and he's, what he's inferring here is, I will compromise. That's what we have to do. He's basically telling you, I know I'm not going to, I wouldn't get everything that I want and you're not going to get everything you want, but give us a bill that has something that we all like and knowing that we're not going to get everything. And he's saying, I will support that. I will back it. And we would pass it. One of the lost arts I think that we have politically speaking, when we look at DC is that too many people say, I am not budging on anything. There is no compromise because that is a sign of weakness, and I'm not doing that. And I think, do you even know what politics is about? Do you even understand the history of how we've done things in America? Think about your own marriage. Do you not compromise? If you don't, I really, I wouldn't call that a, probably a very good marriage, frankly. How about at work? How about with friends? I think most of us in life, you have to compromise. Why wouldn't we do that politically? Because that's what politics is always about. It is the art of compromise. I think we'll get back to it. But he did make the point how we are giving in on both sides. And he was careful to say on both sides, the extreme elements, and they have too much power and control. I, uh, you have to listen to him. I understand. But at some point, you have to cordon them off. One of the problems that we have, of course, is especially, well, bo both chambers, but it, the House is so tight between the number of Republicans and Democrats that you just have a few people in your party bail and say, I'm not supporting my own party on this. And then you don't get anything. And and that's where we have. So anyway, I, I really wanted to share that because the first time that I saw it this morning, um, I thought, oh, man, at your service. Here we go tonight. All right. I am going to completely switch directions for the second hour. We come back after news, weather, sports at the top of the hour. And I am now going to talk a little bit on the investing side. I think uh, this is a big topic as well. It, it does have political ramifications, of course. In fact, this is something that Donald Trump always took pride in. During his four years, he would look at the stock market, which had a series of record highs until we got into, of course, COVID and everything fell apart. And so a lot of people do vote this way. 
And now people look at it and go, wow, okay, the market is hitting all-time highs again. Will this help Joe Biden a little bit? Well, I would say it doesn't hurt. Although, again, I get back to the economy and inflation, and that seems to be a bigger deal. But there is something about the power of one's 401k getting back to all-time highs. There is something that's really eye-opening in a good way when people feel that wealth effect. And that's what I'm going to talk about in the second hour, too. Also, is this 1999 again? Is this is this the is this an AI bubble compared to the Internet bubble? Speaking of AI, when I was last hosting guest hosting at your service, it was just nine days ago. So it was a week ago, Tuesday on the 20th. Those of you listening will recall that I ended the show talking about tomorrow On Wednesday the 21st, the poster child of artificial intelligence, NVIDIA, is going to be reporting earnings. This is huge. I usually don't make a big deal out of corporate earnings, but this was a big one. And as many of you know, it was, and it moved the market, an incredible, unprecedented earnings with this AI stock. And that's where we find ourselves, which we will address coming up in the second hour. Stay with us. 